the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots and the Unite, i.e. Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups, where our mission is to unite freedom-loving, America-loving Americans and magnify our strength and effectiveness in making and keeping America great, free, and prosperous. Very pleased to welcome back to the show this week someone who exemplifies the, the motto of this show that the most important political office is that of the private citizen, and that is Mark Ang. And I, I think he does something in, in investments to try to earn a, earn a living, but I don't think, I'm not sure he ever does that. He's, I see him constantly uh, in his social media. He's always going someplace, doing something, meeting famous people. I'm kind of envious of that. Um, and uh, just a great all-around activist. And today he's coming to us from his mobile recording studio on the way to somewhere. Welcome to the show, Mark. Hey, Greg. I'm actually uh, closer to you because I'm uh, driving down the hill. So um, uh, we're not far from Redlands. So uh, uh, super excited that we can uh, be on the show. I know I couldn't make it last week. Um, I was actually just got back from the East Coast in Pennsylvania, um, spent the 4th of July at Gettysburg, um, you know, where so uh, one of the, the biggest Civil War battles uh, took place Um and uh, made a decisive uh, uh, victory for keeping the union together there on July uh, July first to third. So uh, I was there uh, experiencing the heat that they likely experienced in the eight, in eighteen sixty three. So um, glad to be back in California though, and I'm excited to talk to you because there are a lot of issues de jour that we can explore. So thank you for having me. Yeah, well, there's lots of contemporary things to talk about, but I've never been to the. I've never been there. What? As you think about what happened there, uh, there, there were so many yeah. great moments, so many so many uh, heroic moments, uh, including the stand of the 20th minute. You know, you know Greg, I have a very different perspective of it, um, and I'm glad you asked because I, I you know, I, I, I lived in the South for a little bit, and that war, the Civil War, was is called the War of Northern Aggression. And I can totally see why the South uh, was very upset with the North because the North was trying to uh, trample over states' rights, which uh, surprisingly today is super, super relevant, where they want to make it about something else. In this case, you know, they want to vilify one side and say, oh, they're bigots, this and that, as they did back then, um, but justify the trampling of uh, the sovereignty of our states. So I can totally see uh, both sides, but, you know, the battle itself was fascinating. Because Robert E. Lee uh, charged into Gettysburg with one third of the army size that um, that the Union had and was still able to win decisive victories. If it wasn't for one road kept open where uh, the Union was able to get uh, reinforcements in. So, you know, a lot of people don't talk about just how amazing of a 
uh, leader and a general, uh, Robert E. Lee was. So, you know, I, I do have um, a, a mixed perspective on, on this. And um, I think that, uh, you know, history will always, uh, you know, put a lot of times planted one side towards the victors and the winners. But, you know, when you get down to the details, you'll see it's, uh, yeah, um, it's impressive on both sides what happened. But, um, hey, it's so relevant today, right? Today we're headed, we're on the brink of a civil war. Yeah, I'm not sure how close we are to the shooting civil war, but we certainly are in a political, cultural, and economic civil war. And in many ways, I think the country is more divided on a deeper level than we were during the shooting civil war of 1861 to 65, where... Really, I mean, yeah, okay, there's states' rights and so on, but okay, it was really about slavery. And I, th- I think to say that that was not, the, I would disagree with anyone who said that slavery was not the driving issue of that. Now, interestingly, is when Abraham Lincoln was in, in 1860, when Abraham Lincoln ran for president, even though he was opposed to slavery, he said he ran on the platform that slavery must be allowed to continue in the states where it now exists, but should not be allowed to expand to any new territories or states. Okay. So, and when he was inaugurated, what he said in his inaugural address, he said that if the Southern states' rights were being violated, then they might have a legitimate case for secession. But Lincoln said, your rights are not being violated. We're not trying to eliminate slavery where it now exists. So, so, so it was, to the extent that the, the South left for that reason, their, 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 their rights were not being violated. Now, I want to make a comment about Lee. Lee confounded until Grant took over the, the main Union Army in the East in 1864, I believe. Um, or maybe 18, late 1863, Lee repeatedly confounded the Union and beat them again and again and again. Although he, he lost at Antietam when he was on the offense, but on defense, he repeatedly beat them. Mm-hmm. But at Gettysburg, after the first day, and we're, and we're going way off in a direction that I had no intention of going, but, the, but um, I, emulate, I try to emulate Rush in one way but in, on the show, is we talk about things that I find to be interesting. And hopefully the audience finds to be interesting. So after the first day of the of battle there, which the South won that first day, the Union ended up with the high ground. Mm-hmm. So what Lee's subordinate commander, Longstreet, urged Lee to say, okay, they have, the, they have the better position now. Let's move towards Washington, D.C. and find a good defensive position and then make the Union forces attack us. But Lee, I guess maybe he believed in his invincibility and the invincibility of his army and chose to fight the Union at Gettysburg when the Union had the superior position. And then the yes. third day, what the famous Pickett's Charge, is he launched one of the, what was the Union repeatedly did during the war, is these mass human wave attacks against defenders in prepared positions. And they suffered grievously just as the Union had when they tried that tactic. And whatever, I mean, he's a great commander overall, but he blew it big time at Gettysburg. Right, right. No, Greg, uh, not arguing with the uh, with the 
the facts that you presented there, but I, I always try to go for the contrarian position and try to see, you know, oh, there's uh, multiple angles to the story. But um, really, yeah, absolutely. I think um, his his uh, hubris and his uh, his like you said, his uh, um, assumption of invincibility was what ultimately did did him in on that battle. So really great stuff, though. I mean, it's uh, uh, powerful to know that actually Civil War casualties, uh, civilian and army were more than all the world wars combined, the two world wars combined. So um, really was one of the most devastating uh, blood uh, baths in our history. Uh, but very, very special to to Fourth of July to really uh, be there and to think think about this uh, stuff and look back in history. And I know a lot of people that listen to this care about history. So I'm glad we got to chat with that uh, a little bit. But I'm excited to hear what you have prepared for the show, uh, Greg. I know you have a list of topics, so let's get right to it. Okay. Your discussion, our discussion of the uh, Battle of Gettysburg kind of leads into what I had intended that we talk about here in the, in the first half. Um, after the battle, uh, like in November of that year, um, they dedicated the uh, portion of the battlefield as a final resting place and various dignitaries uh, came and uh, the, the, the keynote speaker spoke for about two hours and no one remembers his name or what he said. Uh, Lincoln spoke for about two minutes and uttered one of the most memorable uh, and famous speeches in in history. And it begins, four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we're engaged in a great civil war testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. Um, and he goes, and I'm going to stop there because that's the part that I keys into our next discussion is the fount from the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal to the Gettysburg Address that I just quoted from to um, Martin Luther King. Um, that's I have a dream that one day my children will be judged on the content of the character and not on the color of their skin. But now, and I think it's a calculated effort to help wreck the country, is increasingly the notion is, yes, people should be judged and treated on the color of their skin. And we see that throughout in corporate America, in business, in education, and now in medicine, where treatment is, is sometimes even expressly being allocated and on the basis of the color of someone's skin. But we had in the last uh, uh, the last uh, Supreme Court term a very important case that kind of pushed back on that. And this and this was a case challenging race based admissions in universities. And by six to three vote, the court held that that was unconstitutional and violated the Equal Protection Clause, also violated the uh, civil rights laws. And uh, Justice Roberts, he said, I'm not going to read the full, my full quote here. Um, the Constitution deals with substance and not shadows, and the prohibition against racial discrimination is leveled at the thing, not the name. He goes on to explain that, yes, you could look at an individual student's efforts. Yes, you know, they, and maybe how you overcame racism or your disadvantaged background, but it had to be an individual assessment. 
And he says, for, for many universities have for too long done just the opposite. And in doing so, they have concluded wrongly that the touchstone of an individual's identity is not the challenges bested, skills built, or lessons learned, but the color of their skin. Our constitutional history does not tolerate that choice. Uh, Justice Thomas, in his concur- concurring opinion, uh, says that because of the second founding and I mean the, four, the Civil Rights Amendments and the post-Civil War Amendments, our Constitution is colorblind and neither knows nor tolerates classes among citizens. And I know well this, this, has been, this has been an effort that, that you've been very concerned about this, and you were heavily involved in the campaign to defeat Proposition 16, which would have reinstated racial preferences in California. So I presume that you're happy with the decision. Oh, absolutely, uh, Greg. It uh, goes without saying. Um, in fact, I was called for some interviews that same day the Supreme Court went down, and they asked me to make a quick statement. And, you know, my 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 statement, they made it a headline and basically said, you know, and I agree with it. I said, you know, it's important that to to recognize that the people that are angry about this decision, mostly the mainstream media, is actually being outright racist. And, you know, um, California shot that down. I, I like to think of California as a state that has actually grappled with racism longer and has, you know, um, a bigger melting pot. You know, we, we really are a very multicultural society here. And the fact is our voters, despite voting for Biden by 29 points, shot down Prop 16 and said and agreed with the Supreme Court. So California, once again, I think, you know, is it post-partisan? We are not post-partisan, but post-racial. You know, we're definitely partisan here, but we're post-racial. We're like, we don't want that because at the end of the day, do you want to be judged by your skin color and people thinking that you got to your high position or you uh, advanced in your career solely because of your race? And it's not just the elite that think this, but even down to like, Lab technicians we interviewed during the Prop 16 um, campaign, everyday people that are working like, you know, um, community college people, they were against Prop 16. They were like, no, um, you know, I worked so hard and went into debt and I'm raising, um, you know, I'm a single mom raising, you know, children. And um, I, I don't want to, you know, someone advancing beyond my hard work and my sacrifice um, to just because they're a different skin color. That's disgusting. And really, Clarence Thomas, uh, I love what you read, what he wrote was so powerful. That really um, shows, yes, um, institutions should not be seeing race or making classes out of skin color, which is even very difficult in a mixed society. If you're half white, half black, I mean, do you get half the half the advancement opportunities or benefits that a full black person gets? I mean, where does it stop? Why, why, cannot we, why can, can't we judge people by merit and achievement and hard work? That's how we make a great society. That's why the society has been great. Is I it, mean, enough already. Yes. You know, enough sure. with this race baiting. Right. The short answer is because dividing people on race serves the political interests of the Democrat Party. But we are past time. Let's hear from our sponsor, Ed Hoffman of United American Mortgage, the place to go for your real estate lending needs. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. 
Think about this. Your mortgage rate is at 3%, but your car loan is now at 10 or 11%. Over the past year, the average car payment has risen from $400 to $800. Rates on your credit cards have risen from an average of 14% up to 20% and higher. And across the country, credit card balances are higher now than they were before COVID. HELOCs are now at 10%. You don't want to touch your low-rate mortgage, but you're paying through the nose on all of your other debts, and it's hard to make ends meet. Solution? Do a cash-out refinance and wrap all your debt together on your house now and lower all your payments. Then, when the rates really drop next year, you can do a rate and term refinance when rates are really low and not have to pay the cash-out refinance fees to do it. If this idea makes you curious, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton, Redland Tea Party Patriot, Unite IE Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups. Pleased to have on the show Mark Eng, all-around great activist. And uh, we're, we're talking about uh, a range of our discussion is from uh, the, the Civil War, the first Civil War, and the Battle of Gettysburg, and human hubris, uh, to uh, the Supreme Court's decision on... Um, uh, reverse discrimination, which I said that's unconstitutional. Um, here in California, we have Prop 16 since the 1990s, and uh, which says the state shall not discriminate against or grant preferential treatment to any individual or group on the basis of race, sex, color, ethnicity, or national origin. And that was uh, the, the attempt to repeal it in 2022 was rejected, maybe it was 20, uh, by a greater margin than passed it in the 1990s. But California universities, just because the court rules something or we have a law, doesn't mean they're going to obey the law. So here we have a clip of Erwin Cherminsky. He is a he is a professor of constitutional law at UC Berkeley Law School, where I went, and he's now the dean of the law school. So now here he's talking about how to ignore the law. What I mean by unstated affirmative action is what if the college or university doesn't tell anybody, doesn't make any public statements I'll give you an example from our law school, but if ever I'm deposed, I'm going to deny I said this to you. Um, When we do faculty hiring, we're quite conscious that diversity is important to us. And we say diversity is important. It's fine to say that. But I'm very careful when we have a faculty appointments committee meeting. Anytime somebody says, you know, we should really prefer this candidate over this candidate because this person would add diversity. Don't say that. You can think it, you can vote it, but our discussions are not privileged, so don't ever articulate that that's what you're doing. Well, that works more easily with regard to faculty hiring. With regard to student admissions, it becomes more difficult because it's a statistical measure. Amazing. I mean, and that's what a typical I'm, lefty, right? I mean, oh, it, 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 it is. Think about it. Just think about it. I'll let you respond. Think about this. The dean of one of the leading law schools in the country tells prospective lawyers in training that they should they should disobey the law, just cover up to be the, unethical, disobeying the law. And if you get called to testify about it, perjure yourself. Yes. Uh, what what a disgusting human being! And these types of people are the ones that are running academia now. It's become a cesspool of 
you know, woke um, uh, activists, basically, that get in based on their political beliefs and not merit. So there you go. There's one example of already uh, self-selecting people based on partisan ideology and also um, uh, the disregard for merit um, and and preferring skin color and, you know, uh, playing playing uh, arbitrary uh, placements of people that don't deserve uh, to be in that spot. I mean, it's ridiculous. These people are flying our planes, operating on our, our uh, you know, uh, people that are sick and injured. I mean, our society is crumbling because of these people. But you know what I wanted to say is um, uh, even his, his directive is more of an emotional rant than it is anything practical because the schools already have been doing that. No, none of these schools have gone out there and said, Oh, we're we're specifically, you know, doing quotas. No, it always makes the schools look bad. So they've always been hiding it. And Harvard is a great example. They used a personality inventory and rated Asians and whites lower than Hispanics and blacks on personality inventory. So they would make their own metrics anyways. So, you know, I think um, uh, they can all emotionally rant and you can see their dark hearts of racism um, and really, at the end of the day, it's just stupid, right? Why would you judge people by their skin color rather but than by who they are or the content of their character? So um, all of these people are just exposing themselves right now. And even Californians, mainstream Californians, do not agree with this race baiting, even though we're a ma- minority majority state. Right. I mean, le- let's let's just keep going back to that fact. Go ahead, yeah. Greg. Absolutely. When Californians rejected Prop 16 by 57 percent and rejected racial preferences, the state was more, quote, minority, unquote, than it was in the 1990s when they passed 96. Proposition, that was the year. Proposition 209 back then. Um, yes. It's also interesting, a little side note of this, is you look at the, the polling, is they asked, do you, do you support the Supreme Court decision on, quote, affirmative action? Unquote. And by 59 to uh, 33, they do out of all voters and pluralities of, of blacks and Hispanics mm-hmm. support the decision. That's and, right. that's, and that's when you put the name Supreme Court in and the Democrats have been doing everything they can to vilify Supreme Court. A Pew poll from last year is whether should race be a factor in college admission. And 74 percent said should not be a factor. Amen. Gender, 82% said should not be a factor. So that, that just has to include a lot of Democrats, has to include a lot of, quote, minorities, unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, now we just get the Republicans to have the courage to stand up for something that's popular. And I've never quite understood that, is the Democrats will push things that are unpopular to advance their agenda. Republicans will not stand up for things that are popular to defend theirs. Uh, very good point. And, you know, I've had a lot of these discussions. I want to plug, uh, you know, the conference I went to. It's called Braver Angels. And um, it started it's, uh, started out as a workshop where Reds and Blues talk together. And we're talking about, like, everyday people. And, you know, it's amazing when I talk to – I actually found the Democrats at the conference more interesting than a lot of the Republicans because the Democrats, a lot of them were willing to find common ground with Republicans. And a lot of them had d- positions that were conservative. So you have, you know, like pro, uh, pro-life Democrats that I met that I did on one-on-one with, you know. 
the Democrats um, in the power and that decide the what is cool, what is the agenda, um, you know, that includes the mainstream media, of course. Those Democrats are completely out of touch. They are elitist and they actually a lot of them don't have friends. And that's what I've kind of noticed. They're you know, they, they're not in society. Um, and that is the the prop. The problem with Republicans is Republicans want to um also not socialize with Democrats, which is a bad thing. That's where uh, conversion comes in. And uh, that, that's where that's where um, you can change hearts and minds is when you actually engage the other side. And a lot of people said, oh, wow, I didn't realize that you had that um, uh, perspective on Trump or if you had that perspective on the issue. And um, I'm a Democrat, but I'm starting to you know, rethink my position. That is, the Republicans are not doing that. They're just way, way too siloed and way too um, impatient with people that are not on their level as far as political knowledge and engagement. And that is, the, that is, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, be rude and interrupt you. We are out of time for this segment. Stay tuned for the exciting second half of Unite, i.e. radio. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM 590, The Answer. Think about this. Your mortgage rate is at 3%, but your car loan is now at 10 or 11%. Over the past year, the average car payment has risen from $400 to $800. Rates on your credit cards have risen from an average of 14% up to 20% and higher. And across the country, credit card balances are higher now than they were before COVID. HELOCs are now at 10%. You don't want to touch your low-rate mortgage, but you're paying through the nose on all of your other debts, and it's hard to make ends meet. Solution? Do a cash-out refinance and wrap all your debt together on your house now and lower all your payments. Then, when the rates really drop next year, you can do a rate and term refinance when rates are really low and not have to pay the cash-out refinance fees to do it. If this idea makes you curious, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton, Redlands Tea Party Patriots and Unite, i.e. Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups. Very pleased to have on the show this week, Mark Ang, all-around great activist. And uh, we're discussing the Battle of Gettysburg and the founding of the country and uh, the Supreme Court decision on um, uh, outlawing racial preferences in college admissions and holding that's unconstitutional as clearly is. But, uh, you know, and then how the, the colleges uh, were trying to circumvent it. But so is the state legislature. They're, they have now pending uh, state constitutional amendment seven, which would, uh, which was to, to, to basically to, uh, it's prop 16, but a, sne- a sneaky version of it. <laughs> uh, it, it, it states that the state may use state monies to fund research based on or research-informed and culturally specific programs in any industry, including but not limited to public employment, public education, and public contracting, if those programs are established or otherwise implemented by the state for the purpose of increasing the life expectancy of, improving the educational outcomes for, or lifting out of poverty specific groups based on race, color, ethnicity, national origin, or marginalized genders, sexes or sexual orientations close quote what a joke 
What that means is, and what that means is, they find some leftist university professor writes a study, makes up a study, and then then they can do their racial preferences again. So if they're not, they're not only are they in favor of racial preferences, but they're and they're saying "f you" to the voters, but they're doing it in a sneaky, underhanded fashion. Yes. I mean, what a horrible message to send to kids, right? You have to be conformed to some sort of identity that is not you as an individual uh, so that you can get benefits to rise up in society. What a terrible, terrible thing to tell a kid. And actually, I grew up with that. I grew up, you know, uh, uh, pre-Prop 209, where we were able to, uh, where getting into college was based on certain quotas and all of that. Um, it really instills a very, very bad message into children. And um, people don't realize how subtle it is, but it's really, really negative. And that's where you have all of these uh, record numbers of, of kids today identifying as LGBT or as trans and going through irreversible medical uh, operations because they want to fit in and then find out they regret it. Because the beauty in life is to discover yourself as an individual, right? As someone who is unique that maybe have membership as part of the groups, like I'm Asian, I have, you know, different things that make up my identity, but, you know, ultimately I'm an individual and that's, that's lost. Now you have people that are conforming to be in a collective and that's very, very ugly. That's true communism right there. Yes. Um, there was a great uh, there was a great uh, interview and it's too long to play for the show between Tucker Carlson and Andrew Tate that posted this week and I commend it to you. It's a long interview, uh, but I enjoyed it. It was interesting and I, I think and I think worth your time. We're going to play a segment here. And by the way, Andrew Tate had developed a following among young men, basically encouraging them to masculine excellence. You know, uh, be strong mentally, be strong physically, take responsibility for your life, work hard, and you can achieve. And don't right. complain. Don't whine. Don't whine about the uh, the bad things in life that inevitably will befall you. Okay. So as he got a following among young men, uh, he became a regime enemy, and they, I was last year, they canceled all of his bank accounts, his credit cards, his credit card processing, uh, almost simultaneously across the board. And then in December, he was arrested in Romania. Uh, and the, the story goes, he was sex trafficking. But in the interview, we out in our clip, he explains, no, he was supposedly had persuaded women to make videos on the Internet that he got money for. And he said that he never got any money from them, from them, from them. OK, so we're going to play a segment here and then we're going to talk about it. It's, it's a long segment, but I found it both entertaining and uh, interesting. I want to get your take. This is sort of small ball, but it, it I think tells you something about a larger trend in the United States. This is a state senator from the state of Wisconsin in a public hearing recently saying in a discussion on a crime bill, the suburbs. Here she is. The suburbs, because they don't know a damn thing about how life is in the city. What is that? There's a hostility there. Where does that come from? That comes from being a perpetual victim. That comes from being told that everything that's happening to her is not her fault and she has no self-accountability. Even though she's managed to become a senator, somehow she's still oppressed. And that means that everyone else who looks like her is also completely and utterly oppressed. And anybody who has a slightly better life in any way is, by extension, a bad person because they weren't oppressed. Yes. And that's where the hate comes from. The divisions put there by these mindsets which are being purported by the people in charge of the world. 
convincing you that you have no control at all over your own life. And that's why she's so resentful towards people who have done well in life, not even as well as her. I would also argue, perhaps I'm incorrect, that she probably lives in a suburb. (laughs) Of course she does. So she's a hypocrite on top of that. Yeah. But hypocrites are... The fantastic thing about being a hypocrite is if you're a hypocrite with a little bit of power or influence, you're allowed to be a hypocrite because you're, you're spreading information on the larger problem. In fact, this is actually interesting. One of my funnest things, I might, I'm going to announce this here on your show for everyone to know. This is a world exclusive. I want to become a climate change activist because when I was younger, people would say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Do you want to be a fireman? Do you want to be Batman, et cetera? And I wasn't sure what would really make me happy. But now I'm ultra wealthy and I fly around on private jets all the time. I think that now is the time for me to become one of those hypocritical climate change activists. 100%. It's going to be super fun. Well, as your carbon footprint grows, your concern about carbon footprints grows. Absolutely. (laughs) Eat the bugs. Sell your car. How dare you eat meat? On my jet, of course, I have meat, but I'm allowed to be a hypocrite because I'm spreading awareness for the overall problem. It's for the greater good. It's for the greater good. I have to get to the climate change activist meetings. So, uh... Which happened to me in Switzerland, I noticed. Of course. So, although I'm flying on... Well, before this arrest... They're never in New Jersey. Never. So, before this arrest, I was on about three or four jets a week. But um, every single time I was flying on my private plane, I was extremely concerned about the carbon footprint. Of course you were. And so, I am now a climate change activist. I just want to let the whole world know. Because once you get to a certain level of power of influence, you're absolutely not allowed to be a complete hypocrite. So, you're allowed to live in the suburb and uh, pretend that you're oppressed when you're a senator of the most powerful nation on the planet. Because it's just, it's a logic fail on every plant, on every level. So one of the human activities has got to produce the greatest carbon footprint is, I would think, war, right? I would think so. Diesel-powered machines, munitions going off. So I was a little bit surprised to see Greta Thunberg with Zelensky this morning. What's interesting to me is this. Firstly, I would never kill myself. Secondly, (laughs) imagine... These people are so detached from reality. Imagine going, you know what we need to do? Brainwave. We need to drum up support for this garbage. Let's take our, let's take the, the most loved woman, Greta, and the most loved man, Zelensky, and let's make them meet. Think about the PR. Let's bring a camera. And imagine people sitting around a table going, that's great. That's, that's going to really make people support this. <laughs> Who gives? Some young girl turns up to a war zone who has nothing. Why is she there? What are they going to talk about? I don't know. But what's their conversation? I think she only yells. I don't think she does talk. I, I don't understand. Is she going to talk about how the childhood has been stolen from all those million Ukrainian men who have been born to, blown to pieces? Like she talks about childhood being stolen because we drive, you know, cars. I don't think she is. I don't think she's going to mention that. No. Is it just a big PR opportunity? Like what PR team came up with this concoction and thought this will keep them on side? It's, it's mind-bending to me who even thought this was a good idea. It, it's crazy. But, but of course, somebody did. Somebody thought it was a fantastic idea. <laughs> have you ever met Greta Thunberg? No, but me, me and her have had some ar- internet arguments. I, I think you went to prison for it, right? Yeah, correct. Which is amazing because I'm a climate change activist. So I'm on her team. You know, I was in Sweden during COVID. So we could have met. She didn't want to hang out with me, unfortunately. And then... Now I'm flying around on my jet everywhere, spreading news about climate change. Same thing. Like in my Bugatti, obviously it's got a big engine. I, I make sure to talk about climate change out the window as I drive. But I'm on her side. She doesn't seem to be very You very yell at the surfs as you pass about climate change? Yeah, don't eat meat. Eat the bugs. What's wrong with you people? You don't care about the earth? 
Like if if you don't if you don't start caring about climate change, all those politicians with beachfront property are going to lose their houses. Yes. And they're very concerned about climate change, which is why they bought their houses on the beachfront so they can be the first to let you know it's coming. The early warning system, right? They're very concerned. That's why they want to be right there on the beach. Quite honorable if you think about it. Kind of kind of on the front lines of the climate crisis. Absolutely. Lead from the front. <laughs> so good. Um but one more point about this. Sorry, sorry to go on and on. No, I love it. But when I say these things, people, you don't care about the environment. And I try and explain to them, I love nature. You love hunting, fishing. You love yes. nature. I love nature. Passionately. The problem with all of these things is not that I don't like nature. The problem is that nearly any issue which appears to be virtuous on the planet today is Trojan horsed with garbage. That's the problem. Yeah. I have no problem with fixing or maintaining or preserving nature. I have a problem with them telling me I have to maintain nature, them Trojan horsing my bankruptcy into the middle of it, knowing that nature won't be fixed, then telling me it's about nature and telling me I should agree with it. That's my problem. There's no, there's nothing left on the planet, no issue, which isn't Trojan horsed with absolute garbage. And if you're going to sit there and tell me that I need to give more money to the government to stop the sun from being hot, I'm going to argue with you that I'd rather keep my money. Second time I've heard that, that segment as we played it here, and uh, I, I love it. And you can see why both of them, Tucker Carlson and Andrew Tate, are enemies of the regime. Because they made, they, part, they made fun of them. And they, they, the regime hates that. Um, quick, 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 quick response, Mark, and then we'll take a break and come back and continue our discussion. Yeah, I think the the really big takeaway from that is uh, the hypocrisy, right? Uh, the Democrats and the big government types are such hypocrites, and uh, yet they they're so sensitive about being called out on it. And I think we everyday people need to call them out on it. So I really love that exchange. And you know, a- Andrew Tate is just being vilified. Um, uh, I think uh, you can attack him as a person, but don't attack his ideas and throw that out of the window just because you don't like him as a person. He said some really poignant things in that. Uh, let's take a pause here and hear from Ed Hoffman of United American Mortgage, the place to go for your real estate lending needs. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. Think about this. Your mortgage rate is at 3%, but your car loan is now at 10 or 11%. Over the past year, the average car payment has risen from $400 to $800. Rates on your credit cards have risen from an average of 14% up to 20% and higher. And across the country, credit card balances are higher now than they were before COVID. HELOCs are now at 10%. You don't want to touch your low-rate mortgage, but you're paying through the nose on all of your other debts, and it's hard to make ends meet. Solution? Do a cash-out refinance and wrap all your debt together on your house now and lower all your payments. Then, when the rates really drop next year, you can do a rate and term refinance when rates are really low and not have to pay the cash-out refinance fees to do it. If this idea makes you curious, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. 
Well, welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton, Residency Party Patriots, Unite IE Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups. Great to be joined this week by Mark Ang, all around great uh, political activist. We had just played a, a clip from an interview between Tucker Carlson and Andrew Tate. And before we jump into all the good stuff in that, from that, from that clip, I do want to remind everyone to call your state legislature or email them and oppose two insidiously evil bills, AB 665, that allows the government to kidnap your 12-year-old child or older by convincing them that the child wants to, would be happier in a, uh, in a group home. And then you may, you can send your child to school and the child may never come home again. That's AB 665 and 957, which says the judge in a, in a custody dispute can favor the parent that wants to chemically and surgically castrate, mutilate, and sterilize the child because the child says, oh, I want to be a boy when they're really a girl or, or vice versa. Greg, Greg, can I jump in on this? I actually, my la- one of my latest articles is uh, on the movie Gender Transformation, uh, which is a documentary by Epoch uh, TV, a really powerful movie. And it highlighted the story of Abigail Martinez, a mother who lost her 19-year-old daughter to suicide for that exact same reason. The daughter thought she was a male and um, the school helped uh, deepened those divisions between mother and daughter. And she turned from a happy kid to one that was rebellious and angry and discontent, which, as you know, the left does loves to do that. And then uh, she eventually ended her life on some railroad tracks. And that's just so sad, you know, and that's that bill that you just mentioned, AB is a 665. Yes. Everyone needs to, you know, care about the children. If you truly care about the children, you need to, allow children to have that lifelong bond with their parents and not with uh, social workers or group homes where they're around uh, kids that are as malcontent as them and then end up um, in suicide. 41% of trans youth end up in suicide. I think a lot of it has to do with their, you know, um, the ideology itself. And, you know, detransitioners, the ones that uh, uh, find happiness and uh, regret their original decision, but detransition, they are being vilified. And, and, and uh, that movie uh, highlights, you know, what they go through after they leave the cult, because let's call it what it is, a cult. If you don't follow what they want or what they believe you should, you should be and act, they will um, shun you. They will vilify you. And your former quote unquote friends and family are now your enemies. Mm -hmm. And that's, awful right so just wanted to throw that in yes um, and well said and for them this their leftist ideology or the and, and subset of that this transgender ideology is is their substitute for religion and if you disagree with them you're not just wrong you are a heretic yes they're mind. worse than christian fundamentalists the ones they rail about yeah. they're completely yeah. worse so in opposing those bills, realimpact.us, realimpact.us, you can find your state legislators and you can email them from the website. You can also call them. Um, you know, uh, if those bills pass, you're, you, you have children. Your only choice, rational choices, if you love your children, are either to uh, flee California, in the words of uh, State Senator Scott Wilk, or to, or to homeschool them. I do want to come back. I want to come back to this Tate and Tucker Carlson clip. And there's so much good stuff about what's going on in the country. And um, the, the victim ideology, the global warming scam, 
that everything they do you know, that supposedly some moral cause has a Trojan horse in it that gives them, gives them, those people that are pushing it, the rulers, the ruling class, the regime, more money and power. And I'm reminded of a right. quote from Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the great Soviet dissident. Um, and and uh, you said this about the Soviet Union, but it's increasingly true about America today is in our country, the lie has become not just a moral category, but a pillar of the state. So right. whether it is Joe, you know, the, the, the border is not, the border is secure. It is the, we had the most, the most secure election in American history that, uh, that, that the, the police are out there gunning down young black men left and right. There, and we need to fund the police and, you know, that, uh, the educate, that boys can become girls, girls can become boys. I can go on and on. And of course, the global warming scam, um, Maybe maybe the most hot, maybe the most prominent example of how they use lies and these moral Trojan horses to try to manipulate people. Uh, it's uh, you know what one one of the things that was really powerful about that clip was actually the Wisconsin state legislature. Um, I'm sorry, maybe I'm a little more intuitive, but she just sounded completely insincere and disingenuous. And maybe it's uh, I have too much of a left brain here going because I go, you know, you're just causing division between suburbanites, which a lot of suburbanites are former urbanites, by the way. Um, no one talks about the fact that urban people um, are, are so tired of all the problems in cities from high crime to noise to just everything that it's not appealing to live in a city that people end up leaving the city and moving to the suburbs. So what are you exactly trying to divide? Are you trying to cause, you know, <laughs> multiple personalities? That's the same people, you know, urbanites move to sub suburbs to escape the problems of urban areas. And so you're going to cause division and you're going to, you know, and, and I think Andrew and Tucker really touched upon the uh, thread of victimhood there. Um, why are we such a society where we just uh, now promote um, being helpless and blaming other people rather than saying, hey, this is my mistake or I've done things differently that can cause a certain outcome and maybe I should recalibrate my actions and my behaviors and my circumstances, which I'm in control of, ultimately at the end of the day, I make those choices every day and then empower yourself. The problem with the society is everyone wants to play a victim and they get rewarded for it these days. These days you have welfare, you have, you know, basically everyone giving you a pass, even if it's bad behavior. I see this in retail when you go uh, get customer service, whether at a restaurant or any retail establishment, all these people are like, I'm triggered. Don't talk to me. Don't yell at me like that. It's like no one's yelling. They're just um, the customer just needs what they want. And actually, I had that experience when I was flying out on Frontier Airlines. This, uh, you know, snowflake that was at the counter wouldn't service me because I was speaking the way I speak right now. I speak. I, I'm not even super toxic masculine, but, you know, I'm like, hey, I need to get on that plane. I need your help right now. And uh, she wanted me to follow her own little rules. And I said, no, these other people are not as in a hurry. Um, my lift was late. I need to get on that plane. And she's like, you're yelling at me. I won't service you. Guess what? I called Frontier Customer Service and I ended up getting a $150 voucher for her behavior. And she dared to tell me actions have consequences. 
she's probably going to get fired eventually. And it's going to be a rude awakening for this generation of, I hate to say it, snowflakes, because they, they are willing to screw over the hand that feeds them because they can't handle their emotions properly. So it's really a, a sad state of where our countries come. And it's that victimhood that is now prevalent among everyone because now we have a society that just keeps rewarding it nonstop. So rant off. Those are my thoughts. Yes. Thomas Ohl said that uh, politically there are few ideas more potent than the notion that all of your problems are caused by other people and their unfairness to you. <laughs> and right. uh, once again, a, a, a brilliant analysis by Thomas Sowell of, of the politics of victimhood and, uh, and the Democrat Party uh, is, and, and, it's, and it's destructive for the people who but buy into it. So if you think you're a victim and you can't, you can't succeed no matter what, um, then you're just, you're, you're, you don't succeed. Uh, Andrew Tate, he's, he, his, his father abandoned the family and is, he grew up on welfare, single mom, um, in poverty. And he, he goes on to become a world champion kickboxer. And now he's got, he's rich enough that he has, his own private plane to fly, private jet to fly around in. Of course, being very but he is very concerned about his carbon footprint while he's flying in his uh, private jet and eating a steak. Um, but yeah, so the, the people that are hurt by this, most of all, are the people they claim they want to help. And I think as you alluded to it in our in our first half is that when you have racial preferences and then. A someone who gets those preferences goes on. They go into medical school. They get to become a doctor or a lawyer or or whatever it is. That whether it's said or not, other people are going to suspect that you didn't get there because your own merit and because you worked hard, but you got there because of the color of your skin. Exactly. So sad, right? What a depressing society. Yes. And that is um, all the time we have this week. Thank you, Mark, for being on the show this week. And tune in next week for another exciting edition of Unite, i.e. Radio. AM 590, the answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.